if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to continue this morning and uh, just quickly go through this this morning. I believe God has some great ministry for us. And uh, so we want to pray for people here as we go out this morning. Is Merle here this morning? Merle Sheldon? Amen. Uh, uh, my Mr. Wright. I know Wayne and Sally usually give her a ride and stuff. But I'm going to find out how our balloon ride went. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. So I'm 90 years old, went for a hot air balloon ride. That rocks. Amen. I don't care who you are. That's cool. Amen. Hallelujah. So Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to read this to you again this morning out of the, uh, this is the contemporary English version that I'm reading it to you. I like it and uh, the way it reads. Uh, Verse 15 through 19 says this, act like people with good sense, not fools. These are evil times, so, so make every minute count. I love this translation. Don't be stupid. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. Amen. Now let me say this. We're talking about busting out into harvest. That means that God has a harvest for your life. God has increased for your life. He has something that's connected to your life that is a part of causing His kingdom to expand. Amen. To grow. For souls to come into the kingdom. And and I believe this with all my heart. However you want to parse it out or divide it out, the, the common denominator of kingdom increase is one thing. Souls. Amen. That's it. If God does anything in and through our lives, He does it for one thing, and that is to bring increase into His kingdom, and the increase of His kingdom, the only thing that increases the kingdom of God is souls. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I like what one preacher uh, said one time, and he's talking about different things. He said, God is not as concerned about your comfort as He is about your character. Amen? And so a lot of things, we thank God that, that, that prosperity and everything else is about God making our lives more comfortable. How many know that the kids in Uganda are not comfortable? Yeah. They have a testimony of a young man that was shot in the face and got spared and doing different things. Another kid that was shot in the chest and things. And so these kids being shot, being damaged. How many know it's not comfortable to be on the front line defending kids? Amen. But so the character that God develops in this, God prospers us to develop our character so that we can reach out and make a difference. So don't be stupid. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. Don't destroy yourself by getting drunk, but let the Spirit fill your life. When you meet together, sing psalms, sing hymns, spiritual songs, as you praise the Lord with all your heart. Always use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to thank God the Father for everything. Amen. Praise the Lord. So look at your outline, the cover of your outline this morning. That's kind of our our thing. We want to redeem the time. We want to be active. We want to be proactive. We want to be engaged. We want to be involved in what God has for our lives. And to do that, sometimes we have to shake ourselves. Anybody ever have to shake yourself besides me? Amen. I've shaken myself so much my skin's getting loose. (laughs) Hallelujah. So my question for you today, my question for you today as we go through this, is what are you believing for, a miracle or a harvest? What are you believing God for, a miracle or a harvest? 
So many times we, we hear people, oh, I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle from God. That's good, but God has something better for your life. The plan of God for your life and for my life is to live by harvest, not just by miracles. In fact, as I read my Bible, I go through and I'm watching people that get all these miracles from God, and it didn't impact them in any way that they followed God. The nation of Israel, God said, hey, you saw my power and all my miracles and you still turn your back on me. So there's something that happened. Miracles really don't convert us. But when we learn to live by harvest, we're living out of a converted heart. Amen? As believers, we have a choice of what we will live by. God's word reveals his miracle delivering power to those in need and his blessing and increase upon those who live for him and obey his word. So we have the ability to choose which one we want to rely upon. I don't want God just having to show up and bail me out with a miracle all the time. I don't want to be that desperate believer. I want to learn to live by his increase, his blessing and increase upon my life as I obey his word. Here are my thoughts. A miracle will never produce a promotion or real prosperity. It's only an answer to an immediate need under extreme circumstances. We read in Matthew 14 there of the feeding of the 5,000. That's a miracle. They're in a desert place. There's no place to buy food. It is an extreme condition. It's a deserted place. There's no provision there. And so God provides a miracle. But you read a little bit sooner and a little bit later and the people follow Jesus. And, and Jesus says, why are you following me? You're not following me because you believe. You're following me because I multiplied bread and you're back for more bread. He said, I didn't multiply bread for me to be your bread store. But see, they're, they're, they're looking at the wrong thing. So miracles are only an answer to an immediate need under extreme circumstance. In Exodus 16, there's a place where the nation of Israel wasn't happy. And how about you? I don't want a miracle under this condition. I'm not going to read it this morning because I want to get all the way through this and be able to pray for people. But go back and read it. But it's when God supplied quail up to their noses. He says, you want me? You're murmuring against manna? Be careful that you never murmur against Manna means what is it? And when you're walking with God and the provision of God and you don't understand it and, and, and you're answering God, okay, God, what, what is it? What's up? And you're complaining. Be careful. He'll make you sick. Because he gave them so much quail until they vomited. I don't know about you. I'm going to eat what is it in contentment. Praise the Lord. Amen? Harvest always brings... Listen, miracles are in that extreme condition. But harvest always brings increase, promotion, and prosperity. Some think that if they just had a miracle of provision, everything would be okay. But after the miracle, you'll still have to sow for a harvest, or you'll need another miracle before long. Are you with me? So in this life, here, here we are. We're living this resurrected life. You and I come to the Lord. We're living in resurrection power. We're living in this new life of God. But you have to learn to live in it day by day, being obedient day by to live in the harvest of the life that you've received. Amen. Because sometimes we come and God gives us a miracle. He does some great things. We get saved, turn some things around. And we just think He's going to do that. No, now we live by the harvest of obedience. Thought number four, if we don't change what we do in our present, even a miracle won't change our future. 
If you don't change what you do in your present, even a miracle won't change your future. We're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. Turn to Proverbs chapter 4. In fact, this will be a day when you need a real Bible, not a mechanical Bible, because you won't be able to turn and change pages as fast as we read this morning. Hallelujah. That's just my plug. Glory to God. Proverbs chapter 20, and reading from verse 4. I'm going to read to you again out of the the, uh, uh, contemporary English version. Proverbs 20 and verse 4 says, If you're too lazy to plow, don't expect a harvest. If you're too lazy to plow, don't expect a harvest. So if I don't change what I do in my present, even a miracle won't change my future. A miracle will get you through a wilderness, but the law of harvest is for those who have entered the promised land. How many know God was bringing them out of Egypt, taking them through the wilderness, into the promised land, and He was providing them in a place where harvest was not possible. You don't sow in a desert, you can't reap there, you can't plant there. So He made provision in that extreme place under extreme conditions. But when they came into the promised land, they weren't just supposed to live expecting miracles to come. That's a time when they would put obedience into place and walk day by day in daily obedience to the Word of God and reap the harvest that comes from that. Look at this next thought. Harvest is a season. A miracle is a provision in an extreme condition and circumstances. But harvest is a season. And this is something that we need to learn as believers. You don't get harvest all the time. You don't get that increase. And so learning how to use harvest is a vital important. Having wisdom in how to use harvest. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Now watch this. Two types of provision are found in the Word of God. First is miracles, and the other is harvest. So God will provide by His grace and mercy a miracle in a place where harvest is impossible. The wilderness qualifies for a miracle. But I'm kind of like this. When when, when I study this and I read this principle, I'm understanding, wait a minute, if I'm always needing a miracle, then I'm not in promise, I'm in wilderness. And I don't want to be a Christian that just is habitually lives in the wilderness. Everyday life is, supposed to, is not supposed to be a wilderness for the believer. Miracles are not necessary when we are in the land of promise where the law of harvest can be applied to supply my need. Genesis 8.22, the Lord says, From now on, this is the law that will apply, the law of seed Time and harvest is how man will live. We live by seed, time, and harvest. That's where we live. And that applies to every aspect of our life. Harvest is the law of the ordinary. Everyday application of the word. It can be a part of my everyday life, and I can expect to see it. Amen. I've already eaten. Pastor Sue wanted some Swiss chard, so, so we planted some chard. We've already eaten out of our garden already this year. It is awesome. I'm out there. I'm looking at the little tomatoes that are about this big around, and I'm going, you are lunch. <laughs> Amen. I always have vision of a sandwich with them on it. Hallelujah. Their destiny is sealed. <laughs> Amen. But I plan, so, so I, I, I can't expect harvest because of the seed that I have in the ground. Are you with me? 
But, but without that, there is no expectation. Now on every level. Now, now, now let me go back to what I said earlier when I talked about praying for people. Jesus said these kind don't go out except by fasting and prayer. And so Jesus walked in authority. When you, when you and I understand that I have sowed the seed that produces the harvest. I have the seed in the ground. I've been praying. I've been fasting. When you walk into a situation, you're expecting the harvest of the anointing. To show up upon your life. Are you with me? Not, not just the, the just financial provision, but on every level, every aspect, this applies to our life. Living by harvest, not just a miracle. And that's what happens to us many times. Instead of walking in the authority over sickness and disease, instead of walking in that anointing, we keep praying for miracle breakthroughs. We need a supernatural healing miracle breakthrough. Wait a minute, let's pay the price. Let's sow the seed... To live in, because the promise for the believer is not divine healing. We're not supposed to live by healing, we're supposed to live in health. Are you with me? But we have to sow the seed that produces the harvest of that. Hallelujah. So why? Miracles are the law of the extreme. We can expect to see harvest, but miracles are the law of the extreme, or very seldom. Everything we do in our present will end up in our future in the form of harvest. It will determine whether my life will be governed by the law of the extreme or the law of the harvest. How you and I are responding, the choices we're making, the seeds that we're sowing, determine whether I'm going to need a miracle or I can expect a harvest. Amen. Think about it. What you're reaching for in life is what you're going to end up raising and releasing as a harvest into your life. Hear that. What you're reaching for, that's what you're going to end up raising and releasing that's going to become your harvest. Abraham had learned to... Go to me to Genesis 14. Abraham had learned to receive the provision of God, but not the promise of God. He had a blessing of God, but not the purpose of God in his life. But then something happened. Something clicks inside of him, and he understands that God is his source and his supply. Genesis 14, and beginning in verse uh, 14. After Abraham and Lot had gone their separate ways, the Lord said to Abraham, Look, oh, I'm in verse 13, chapter 13, excuse me. I'm reading out this Bible, I'm messing it up. Amen. Verse 17 in uh, chapter 14. Abraham returned after he had defeated King Ched, uh, Chad, amen, and the other kings, and the king of Sodom went to meet him. Meet Abraham in Sheva Valley, which is also known as the King's Valley. King Melchizedek of Salem was a priest of God. He brought out some bread and wine and said to Abraham, I bless you in the name of God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. All praise belongs to God Most High for helping you defeat your enemies. Then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said, All I want are my people. You can keep everything else. And Abraham answered said, The Lord God Most High made the heavens and the earth. I have promised him that I won't keep anything of yours, not even a sandal strap or a piece of thread. Then you can never say that you are the one who made me rich. Let my share be the food that my men have eaten, but Aner, Eshcol, and Mamre sent me, so give them their share of what 
we brought back. But Abraham said, God is the one who blesses me. So he's learning that. He's learning God. He has the promise, but he's learning to trust God's provision. He's getting this revelation of living by the harvest of God's word in his life. Amen? Three times when we will, when there are times when we will find ourselves in need of a miracle, but for the most part, we are to live by the law of harvest. How many could agree? For the most part, as a people say, what's a Christian life about? Learning how to sow to reap the harvest that God ordained for your life on every level. How, how many know your marriage is supposed to be a harvest and not a battlefield? It's just not. It's supposed to be. A, and, and a marriage, you know what a marriage is? A marriage is the harvest of the seed that two people sow into a relationship. If your marriage is El Stinko, then you've been sowing stinky seed. How, how, come, how come we fight? Because and, 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 all you're sowing is contention. Bitterness. And, and you think a flower is going to come up out of that. It isn't going to happen. Whatever you're sowing, that's what you're going to... Every seed reproduces after its own kind. You can't sow something and get something out. That's what Jesus said. You're not going to sow, a, a, you know, a fig tree isn't going to produce, you know, something else. It just isn't going to happen. It's only going to reproduce after its own kind. Hallelujah. So there are times when we need that miracle, but we're to live by harvest. Christianity is not a one-time fix, but rather a lifestyle choice. I watch people come in. I need God to fix my life. We're not in the fixed business. We're in the transformation business. We're here to completely remake you. It's kind of like, you know, when they first started the extreme home makeover, they used to go home and keep part of the house. They used to keep part of the house. And then as it progressed, they just started bulldozing and building new houses. And that's what God does for you and I. He completely bulldozes your old life dies, and he gives us a resurrected, brand new life. Somebody shout amen. There are some stuff in my life because it's like I said a few weeks ago, it's those things that were supposed to die that we keep alive. The things that have been sentenced to death that we keep alive that become very expensive in our life. So this is not about a one-time fix, but rather a lifestyle choice. So look at the season of harvest. Go with me to Psalm chapter 1. Are you doing all right this morning? I don't know about you. I want the harvest. This morning, I, I, I get mad. I do things out of, out of holy anger sometimes. You need to learn, to have, learn how to have some righteous indignation and some holy anger. There are times that I give mad. And I'm mad at the devil. And... and and more than that, I'm mad at myself for buying into the lie when I've been set free. Are you listening to me? And I purpose, I will not be bound. Amen? I'm not going to be constrained, restricted. As I said last week, some of you have been feeling so constrained that I titled this Busting Out into Harvard. Your life is feel constrained. You feel restricted. The circumstances of the economy and everything around it, it doesn't matter. My Bible says that Jacob sowed in the time of famine and he began to prosper until he increasingly prospered and became very prosperous in a famine. 
that's the will of God for your life. But, but you have to do and sow the seeds that produce that kind of harvest on every level. Psalms 1, watch this. God blesses those people who refuse evil advice and won't follow sinners and join in searing at God. Instead, they find happiness in teaching in the teaching of the Lord and they think about it day and night. They are like trees. Listen, they are like trees planted and growing by streams a tree that produces fruit in its season. And so your life and my life, we're, we're to be a fruit producer. There's supposed to be harvest, and, and there's a season for it. And then we live off of the abundance of that season. Are you with me? So season is not continual. Go with me to Psalms 92. Let's just read these. Psalms 92. And look at verse 12. Good people will prosper like palm trees. And they will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. They will take root in your house, Lord God, and they will do well. They will be like trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they're old. How many claiming that besides me? Amen. 60 in a couple of weeks. I keep acting 30. Hallelujah. I refuse to act any older than half my age at any time in my life. <laughs> Verse 15. And they, will, and they will say about you. Listen. And they will say about you. The Lord always does right. God is our mighty rock. Amen. God always does what's right and good. The Lord is good. Amen. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 9. I don't know about you, I like this myself. I'm due for a bust out. Amen. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 11 says, I am wisdom. Follow me and you will live a long time. Follow me and you will live a long time. What's wisdom? The word of God. This word, this Bible right here is wisdom. I am wisdom. God's word. Verse 12. Good sense is good for you. But if you brag, you hurt yourself. Uh-oh. Amen. Chapter 10. Look at chapter 10 and verse 27. If you respect the Lord, you will live longer. If you keep doing wrong, your life will be cut short. Okay, now watch. Let me put this back. Seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. If you, respect, if you sow the seed of respect for the Lord, you will reap the harvest of living long. If you sow the seed of disrespect, your life will be cut short. Amen. Now listen, nothing is a blanket statement. I know too many righteous people who have died prematurely. Don't misunderstand. But the, we're talking principle here, not application. Here's what happened. People have an individual experience, and they use that to erase a divine principle. Hear that again. Never let your individual experience erase and nullify a divine principle or truth. Let me say that one more time. Never let your individual experience erase or nullify a divine principle and truth. Amen. Are we doing okay? So, harvest is a season, not continual. It's important that we learn how to harvest wisely. There are two aspects. Harvest provides supply for the current need of life, and harvest provides seed for the future. Always ask, 
especially when it comes to finances and resources, is this seed to sow or bread to eat? Too many times people are consuming in the present the seed that is to be sown for their future. You know what that is? It's just the power of a choice. You and I have the choice. What am I going to do? Just like I said from my offering this morning, the Lord challenged me and, 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 and immediately... When something like that happens in my life, when, when God blesses me in an area, then, then I always have the choice. You have to stop back and say, is this seed to sow or bread to eat? Is this seed to sow or bread to eat? And for me, I began praying about things I've been praying about. And, 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 and for me, the Lord said it's seed to sow. And so anytime, listen, anytime God says it's seed to sow, it's because he's already ordained a harvest on the other end. Are you with me? And I've learned that. I live by this all my years. God is so amazing in our life. Watch this. So we must learn to live by the law of seed, time, and harvest. Again, extreme conditions can dictate the need for a miracle. But our everyday life should be connected to the law of harvest. How many have ever gotten mad about your financial situation? I shared my testimony years ago. In 1998, we, we had a, a guest minister here. And I was sitting right over here, and, and I had to turn to Pastor Sue, and I said, Honey, can we give $50 in the offering? And when I had to ask that question, I got mad. I said, You mean I have to ask if I can afford to give God 50 bucks in an offering? Maybe you've never gotten mad. With it. I got mad. And we radically changed everything about our, it, 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 it shook me. I mean, with righteousness, and so we change, and we purpose, we're changing everything about our life, and we purpose, we're getting out of debt, that I'll never have to ask again if I can obey God. Amen. Because we should be able to, we should just be able to give, how many know more than that, without asking the Spirit of God lead. And so in doing that, and then God radically changed all that. And the moment we changed and we decided from this moment on, we will never charge recreation or entertainment or anything that is pleasure. If it is not a necessity that we can't pay cash for, then it has to be an immediate life-sustaining necessity in order for us to charge it. From now on, we'll believe and we'll delay gratification until we can pay cash for it. Amen? And so that's what we did. And then God supernaturally came along that following, that, that was in October of 1998. In, in, in uh, January of 1999, a family came into our life that were friends of ours from when we pastored in Bieber, a young couple that we administered to. And, and God had blessed him. They had received an inheritance. And the Lord laid upon their heart. They came up to our life. And in one weekend, they paid off all of our credit card debt. And we had been here for 10 years. We'd been here for 10 years. Pastoring the church at that time, we started in 89, this is 99, and we've been here for 10 years. And when you start the church, we had necessities. We had to live on credit. We're doing that and doing things and to live and get things going and everything else. And, and so with all that, and so then God, but we made a decision. We made a decision to live by harvest. Are you listening to me? To live by harvest and not need miracle. And God turned that around. And since then, that's the way we've lived. The, the only thing we make payments on are the vehicles that we drive and the house that we live in. People say, well, why do you pay for a car? Because I refuse to be broke down. <laughs> and most of the time, by the time it gets to the end of the payment and stuff and the warranty's gone, I'm like, I have faith for a payment. 
That's, that's me. I'm not telling how you listening to me. That's me. And so we positioned our finances and our salary and everything. And that's what we've designated. I want my wife to be safe. I want her coming home. I like it when my wife makes it home. Are you listening to me? So we like that. And so those are the only two areas that we live. But we made that choice. So in one week, and they came and said, hey, will you let us obey God? I said, certainly I'll let you obey God. We want to pay off all your debt. I said, obey God. But listen, our decision wasn't connected to just getting money. God, I want to give. I'm mad because I can't give. I'm not mad because I don't have. I'm mad because I can't give. I can't, I can't be the blessing that God wants me, that I sent. There's something inside me that I sent. I'm supposed to be a blessing. And when I want a blessing, I can't bless. i got to do something about it. Amen. And so I, 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 we purpose, and God has blessed us to be able to do that. I still get mad. Amen, because I can't bless the way I want. I get mad for our church. Because we're not, when a need rises up in the church, we're not able to give and to bless it. When missionaries are doing things, can you do that? Man, I, I want to bless, and I want to give, but something has to happen. Amen. And extreme conditions, watch this. Extreme conditions can dictate the need for a miracle, but our everyday life should be connected to the law of harvest. Our goal should be to operate on an even keel of increase in our lives through applying the laws of harvest as a lifestyle. You cannot plan or budget wisely without an even flow in your life. And that applies to more than money. Let me say this. Come on. You, you, you're not, you're not going to, your home, if your home is like this emotionally, Hello? Somewhere you need to learn how to do this in life. You need to be steady Eddie. Hallelujah. Just learn to be consistent. Learn to be in your pa- Jesus said this in Luke. He said, in your patience, possess ye your soul. You know what that word patience means? It's, it's a, the, the Greek word hupomene. And it means steadfast consistency. In your patience, possess your soul. Take authority over. In your patience. I, b- I believe it's Luke 19, 20 or 20, 19. Uh, it, but, but in your patience, possess your soul. Take authority. Take control. And learn to be consistent. James said like this. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Steadfast. Same word. Steadfast consistency. So if you're going up and down, and in your home you're like, oh, this is a disaster, we're all going to die. Hello? You're like, you're like that over-emotional, hyper-reaction re- person. Amen. Everybody around you goes, no, it's okay, the hot water heater went out, we're okay. <laughs> Fixable. Amen? Watch it. Watch it. God gives, listen, God gives us wisdom to produce a flow. We read it. If you listen to wisdom, you have life and prosperity. Hear this. I put it here. Listen to this very clearly. What you hear determines what you believe. Everybody look at me. Every one of you believes something. You know what it's based on? Exactly what you've heard up to this moment right now. Everything you believe has been based upon what you've heard. And you believe it, and, and we trust people. You're trusting me. You're listening to me. I have responsibility to tell you the truth. 
We trust people to tell us the truth. Amen? Now watch. What you believe determines what you do. I always do this, especially when it comes to Bible stuff. Everybody has an opinion about the Bible. I could care less about your opinion. I'll just stick with the Bible. Thank you very much. I just stay with the Bible. I'm going to stay with the Bible and live by that. And I respect your opinion, but I'll stay with this. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now watch. So what you hear determines what you believe. What you believe determines what you do. And what you do determines what you have. And what you have is your harvest. If you're a Christian and you don't feel like you're living in the harvest of God and things like that, then let's go back to what have you been hearing because it's affected what you believe in. And what you're believing has affected what you're doing. And what you're doing is affecting what you have. And what you have is your harvest. So if we could reverse all that, we could get you to a harvest. So to change your harvest, you have to change what you do. To change what you do, you have to change what you believe. To change what you believe, you have to change what you hear. Go with me to Joshua chapter 1. Here's what God said to Joshua. We all read this and we quote this. We say this. But look at what Joshua, God said to Joshua. We like finding all the verses that have prosperous in them and read them. Just to hear the word prosperous. We forget to do the stuff that comes with it. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8 says this. Watch this. I mean Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Just check and see if you're listening. Praise the Lord. Watch this. This book of the law shall not depart from where? Your mouth. Your mouth. But you shall meditate in it. What? Amen. Then you, that you may what? Observe, observe to what? Do. That you may observe to do everything that is written in it. For then. Everybody say, for then. Amen. You will make. Say this, I will make. Okay. For then I will make my way prosperous, and then I will have good success. But how? If I meditate in the Word, if I keep my eyes on it, if I keep it in my mouth, if I keep it in the midst of my heart, and if I observe and do it, then I make my way prosperous. Amen? Amen? Go with me to Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 17. And when you become successful, don't say, I'm rich and I earned it myself. Instead, remember that the Lord your God gives you strength to make a living. That's how He keeps the promise He made to your ancestors. How many believe you're connected to Abraham? God made a promise. God said to Abraham, Abraham, I will make you a blessing. Like I said a little bit more. Well, I get irritated when I can't bless like I feel like I'm supposed to on the inside. And God, I, I want to bless. And, and God, listen, God always asks you, I, I said this to a gentleman when we started the church, when we first started the church, we had a gentleman who was a roofing contractor who came to our church, very successful, and he had a material yard and his business and all this stuff, lots of employees, and he, God used him. He was a great blessing to our church. But he said, this is what I'm going to do. He says, I, I'm believing God to uh, make all this money and then retire, and then I can go help churches. I said, that's cool. But I said, it's not God. 
I said, yeah, because if, if you have $5 million and you're doing it out of your $5 million, I asked him, I said, where's your faith? I said, that'll take no faith. Anytime, anything God asks you to do will always be more than what's in your hand. If it's going to be God, it's going to be more than what you can do with what's in your hand. God always asks you to give Him what's in your hand so He can multiply it and He gets the glory. Because I said, if you do it out of your millions of dollars or whatever and you go help these churches, you're going to get the glory, not God. Because you're the generous man that came in and helped this church. And everybody's going to be speaking your name, not His name. Because it came by the power of your hand. He didn't keep going to our church much longer after that. I have an anointing for running people off. Amen. Watch this. So, anything. So it doesn't matter what. It, and, and it's listen. It's never a matter about what they have. They, they thought, man, if we had two hundred, if we had two hundred denaria, we couldn't go buy enough food to feed all these people. Because in their estimation, 200 days wages wouldn't be enough food to, buy, to feed all these people. So even if you had a lot, what he's asking you to do is more than a lot. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So when it comes to heart, I'm not just talking about resources, but resources in an area that God uses to show what's available in His kingdom. Our life should be a life that is busted out of constraint and into the harvest that God has, whether it's laying hands on the sick to see them recover, or where it is believing God to be provision and resource over the needs of our life. How many know when you're constrained about your finances, you aren't free to minister to anybody? You're too consumed with worry and thoughts, and I have to. i got to run here. i got to go there. You can't even stop to pray for somebody. Are we doing okay this morning? Okay, watch with me. The word and work will make you prosperous. That's what God just told Joshua. The word and work will make you prosper. Increase doesn't come apart from work. The word directs our work to produce the greatest harvest possible. We choose who directs our life. We're choosing who makes that direction. You have to learn how to stand against the enemy of harvest. The nation of Israel was possessing their promise when they were possessing it. They faced constant opposition. You will too, but be of good cheer. How many have ever been in a fight since you've been saved? Conflict, confrontation, since you've been a Christian. Jesus said this, John 16, In the world you'll have tribulation. News warning, flash, bullet, da, 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 da. But then he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So when you're going through it, have a party. Hallelujah. Amen. People came to me, hey, why are you in the hospital? Hey, I got bubonic plague. Want some? <laughs> Hallelujah. People here have bubonic. Oh, my God. You have bubonic. Yeah, it's awesome. I am in the history books for the plague in Bernie, California. Hallelujah. Inter have you ever been interviewed by National Geographic? I have. For the plague. I've raised my sights. Amen. Hey, in the world you have tribulation. 
Look at what happened. Look at, we're, we're, we're there in Bernie, and, and we're going through this whole thing and this whole trip. We're trying to figure out what in the world's going on. This little church in Beaver says, hey, why don't you come be our pastor? We go up there. I preach for these guys. After two weeks preaching for them, I go out fishing with the buddy in the middle of Bernie, California. You get bit by a flea and contract bubonic plague. What are the odds? I'm just trying to obey God and pursue and preach the gospel. And the pastor that came into the church after the pastor we were under messed up and left. And we bring this other guy in and this guy goes, hey, have you ever thought going out and preaching where there's never been a Pentecostal message? I said, no, I've never had that thought. He said, you should have that thought. In other words, get out. And so the morning he said that, that, that evening these people said, hey, would you come be our pastor? And so I told my wife, I said, I think it's God. She said, he has to speak in an audible voice. And so God is speaking to her, and I'm getting bubonic plague. So what are you going to do? Oh, why me? What's it? No, hey, what, just get me out of here. I'm going to go preach. And I'm freaking out. To me, it's like having a cold. Either... Are you listening? This, this, what's the difference? This too shall pass. Hallelujah. They, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Come on, that's our harvest. When you get a hold of this, you have harvest of confidence. No matter what you're getting, you're, you're building the Lord's gym. They say, hey, you have hepatitis C. Good. This too shall pass. So how are you going to live? I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to act like I got good sin. I'm going to stab myself and make myself sick. Oh. I mean, it's, but then you just act like you're fine. And then when you find out, they say, hey, you're cured. So five years later, they go, hey, actually six years later now, they go, hey, you're still 100% cured. Hey, hepatitis C is out of my body, but this too shall pass. Are you with me? But you have see. You have to bust, learn how to bust out into harvest. Bust out into harvest. And, and there's, there's seeds, there, there's seed, just like my financial seed, there's a seed of determination. There's a seed of believing God. There's a seed of standing. There's a seed of declaring. There's a seed of believing. And I will not be moved. Having done all to stand, I'm going to stand. I'm ordained to a harvest that's better than this. I'm not going to die prematurely. I'm going to stay planted in the house of my God. And I will even flourish in my old age. I am in my prime. Are you with me? So how do we do this? Get this. Go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. This is what messes people up. Because your harvest is always connected to a man. Uh-oh. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to go this other one. I marked it in this Bible. Are you with me this morning? I to bust out, bless God. How many have been busted and disgusted? How many are ready for better than that? Amen. Now watch. 
Israel's there, Jehoshaphat's there, 2 Chronicles 20. They get the news, hey, this great enemy has come out against you. This great opposition has come out against you. Jehoshaphat says in verse 3, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Watch this, watch this. You're getting ready to read about a harvest here. Opposition came against the nation of Israel. The king said, hey, this is what we're going to do. I fear God, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call a fast, and we're going to seek God. I'm going to call a fast, and we're going to seek God. When was the last time when you got the report, instead of complaining and calling everybody up and going on a pity party phone chain? You said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast, and I'm going to seek God. I fear the Lord, so I'm going to fast, and I'm going to seek God. And I'm going to fast, and I'm going to seek God. And we're going to worship God. And I'm going to call everybody I know. Jehoshaphat called all the people and gathered them all together and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fast, and we're going to seek God and find out what he's going to do. And they begin to say, God, you brought us out, and you're great, and you're and begin worshiping God. And then look over at verse 14. Verse 13, now all Judah with their little children, their wives and their, and their children stood before for the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathaniah, and of the Levite, uh, a Levite, the sons of Aphah. In the midst of the assembly, he said, Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Don't be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Don't fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against him, for the Lord is with you. Hallelujah. How many know that's what I call a harvest? But they sowed a seed. They said, hey, here's the challenge. What are we going to do? How are we going to meet this? Something rose up. Let's sow the seed of seeking God. Let's sow the seed of fearing the Lord. Let's sow the seed of fasting and prayer. And let's see what our harvest will be. God said, this is your harvest. And look down at verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they, were, as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Your harvest, my harvest, is connected to a man of God, to a man. God speaks a word into our life. I receive that. I believe that. You go out against that army. Well, there's no way that we're just going to stand still and see the salvation of God. What kind of a stupid word is that? Did you see that army? How many know that guy's always in the crowd? So you're just going to go stand. No, I'm going to stand it. Yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. Hey, he said, I believe. Glory to God. I'm not sure what's going to happen to you, but I believe. <laughs> Amen. Go with me to Ezra. Ezra chapter 6. Watch this. Are you okay this morning? I'm just, talking, I'm just talking about bust on every level. Come on, in our bodies, in our minds, in everything, God has a harvest greater than the constraint that we live under. People bound by fear, constrained by all kinds of anxiety. That is not the harvest of God. That is not resurrected life. That's what this is all about. 
Ezra chapter 6 and verse 14. So the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. And they built and finished it according to the commandment of the Lord God of Israel. According to the command of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes king of Persia. So they prospered by listening to the voice of the prophet. Eight things you can do to increase harvest in your life. Number one, you must sow the gift that God has given you to receive the harvest you desire. You hold the key to your future. Isaac sowed in the land. Your life is in seed form. Every one of us, you're sowing. You're just choosing where you. Every time I sow any place else, a response to anything except God's word, no matter what it is. If it's in a battle, how are you going to handle the battle? You go ask somebody, how did you win your battle? I did it like this. If you take their word over fearing the Lord and fasting and praying and getting the word of the Lord for your life, you've just made their word higher than His word for your life. And so you're going to sow their word instead of asking God for His word. And you'll receive the harvest. Are you with me? You'll receive the harvest. So what we do, if, if I don't sow whatever it is, if I don't sow the seed of God's word in my life, I'm sowing some other seed. Because you're going to make the decision one way or the other. When it come, if you don't live according to the word of God for your finances, you've said another word higher than his word for your finances in your life. If you don't sow according to how you live in relation. We talked about it Tuesday night. When, when Jesus speaking in, in, in the Beatitude. We, we all think that I have a right relationship with God. Man, my vertical life was good with God. My horizontal life with everybody else sucks. But my vertical relationship with God is just great. I can't stand this person. I can't look that. When I go by that person, I can't look that person. But God, I love you. I can't look at that. Hey, but I love you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Why do we close our eyes in church? Because we're trying not to look at the person we're offended at. But I think my horizontal is right. And John said, hey, if you can't love those you can see, how can you love God who you can't see? And so if you think, well, I can sow any seed I want, live any way I want horizontally, and my life vertically is right, you're, you're living in a fallacy world. You have no harvest with God. Jesus said it like this, if you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. So you better be living a spotless, mistake-free life. Because I don't know about you, I need forgiveness daily. I repent daily. Daily. I keep my repentance up to date. Amen. And so consequently, I, it, it, and, and that means I have, to, I have to ask people to forgive me. I have to, I have to keep this relationship right in order to have this right. Isn't it amazing that the cross has a vertical and a horizontal representation in our life? Hallelujah. So we're bound together. So look at this. Secondly, become more aggressive in the declaration of your faith. How many have faith? Do you have faith declarations written anywhere? Things every now and then you just pull out and just speak and declare? I mean, and just, just say. Because you you're just righteously indignant about the situation. Now do it as much as you talk about your situation. Every six months I pull that out. But you're talking your problem 24-7. There was a good place for amen right there, Mr. Grapevine. <laughs> Number three, check to see if your faith is a reflection 
of God's ability? Is your faith a reflection of God's ability? Or is it a declaration that He can't in your life? Is your faith a reflection of His ability? I do it all the time. Do you know most people in their decorate when it comes to ministering, if the Lord said, go pray for that person, go lay hands on that person. You go, oh, I can't. If the Lord tells you to do it, He equipped you to do it. Is your faith a reflection of His ability in your life? Amen. Number four, live to be the ground of increase that people can sow into and receive a harvest. You have to have a fertile, productive life. Live to be a fertile. If somebody sows into your life, you are good ground. Amen? Number five, pray over every seed sown in your life. Not just what you sow, but for every source of increase in your life. Not, not just financial seed, but for everything. Believe God. Do good. There's a harvest to all that. Amen? Everything is in seed form. Does your dependence upon God prove that He is your source? Or are you living, are you living by the hand of God or the arm of man? It's reflected in how you approach God. Deuteronomy 16, it says this. When the men are called up to, up to, up to Jerusalem and they come, it says that it is unallowed for a man to come empty-handed. Do you go to God empty-handed? God said it's not allowable to come to Him empty-handed to worship Him, to minister to Him. Verse 7, minister to the needs in the lives of people. Why? Because what you do for others, God will make happen to you. Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. When you sow into the lives of others, God causes others to sow into your life. And then number eight, go back to active aggression in your daily confession over every area of your life. Let your confession produce the fruit that will cause others to desire to come to Christ. Come on, we, we don't need hee-haw Christianity. How many old people know what I'm about to say right here? <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. See, that, that was the hee-haw thing. And the Christianity is not supposed to be gloom. Oh, man. Christians walk around. Man, the devil's been chasing me all my life, been beating me up. I don't, the devil's just after me. You know, you pray against the devil. Stay! Shut up! You are giving me a bad reputation. You're in this Bible. Stupid. Don't be stupid. Why would you give no place to the... Don't declare that... It, wait a minute. When Jesus died, He conquered death, hell, and the grave for you. You have resurrected life on the inside of you. And now you're confessing the devil has been beating you up. We need to take you to fight school. Get some fight in you. Amen? You should be saying this. Hey, look at the Bible. Say this with me. I'm saved. Born again. A new creation. Delivered. Redeemed. Blessed. And I am an overcomer. I will live the life of Christ. Died for me to live. I will fulfill His purpose in my life. For me to live is Christ. I've sown my life into the soil of his kingdom I will live to see the harvest that he has formed in me I will walk by faith not by sight because I am a doer of the word 
Now watch it. You have so much harvest connected to your life. Let me just put I, I, I had no idea, I had no concept, there was no way that I could even conceive in my mind that you would ever be connected to my life. I never saw, when I got saved, I was a mess. I was a 25-year-old, ex-drug addict, stupid, married, failed, father failed, family failed, stupid, young boy. I call myself a man, I was stupid boy. And then I get saved. And God goes, oh, by the way, I have purpose for your life. I know you're stupid now. But I have purpose for your life. And now since 1981, being in full-time ministry, and the harvest that's connected to my... Pastor Zane, did you imagine... When you got saved in over 50 years of ministry, the day Jesus Christ touched your heart, could you conceive the harvest of souls that was connected to you? But you guys just lived and sowed. When people didn't want to receive the seed, you just gave and sowed. God kept bringing lives out of you. You can't see the harvest. So, Pastor, what did you? I'm not talking about your money. Money is the cheapest thing this world has. It's the cheapest counterfeit in exchange for the anointing of God. All God does with money is He gets you to get free from it. From the spirit of lust and covetousness and greed and pride and arrogance and everything else that goes with having money. He gets you free from it so he can bring the harvest of souls out of your life when he gives some to you. Amen. The worship team come back. When you sow the seed of prayer and fasting. I can't finish this this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is on the back, but I'm not going to go there. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. Every time you sow a seed, the law of transformation takes place. Every seed you sow doesn't stay the seed that it's sown. Every offering you give isn't produce a hundred. If you give a thousand dollars, it's not for you can get ten thousand dollars back. So it, it's, not, it's not all about a hundredfold return of just money. We have so cheapened the anointing of God. Sometimes the seed you sow is connected to something else. It comes back, transformed. When you sow the seed, God ordained what it was going to be. You see it, it's sown in one form, but it comes back in another form. Sometimes the seed is sold. It's, it's something else. It, it's a healing. It's a breakthrough. It's something else. But God says, I need a seed. I need you to give me a seed. I need you to sow. If you do the, sow the act of obedience, I can produce the harvest that connected with it. But until you sow it, the only way I can get you to bust out into harvest is I have to get you to the place where you will sow. To sow by prayer, to sow by fasting, to sow by giving, to sow by serving, to sow by obedience, and do it. to sow by spending some time in the Word. Anybody in here watch too much TV besides me? 
Six honest people. Hallelujah. And when you get down, you go, man, why didn't I read my Bible instead of watching that stupid thing? And the more channels you get, the more you find out that there's more stupid on there. You never get a channel that has good on there. It's just more stupid. You just multiplied stupid. But somehow we, we agree to sow that seed that produces a harvest of nothing except maybe corrupting our thinking dulling our senses clouding our vision causing us to be unable to hear his voice amen I don't know about you I want to bust out if God could get our church just us I always think every time I preach a message like this I think of everybody who should have been here But it doesn't matter who should have been here. We're the ones that God knew who would be here. And so this word is for us. Amen? It's for us. And we'll be accountable to it, not them. But when I sow that seed, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is the greatest harvest scripture, one of the greatest, that if I sow my life into the soil of this kingdom, what was old passes away and everything new becomes in my life. I, I want to bust out into that harvest. I want to break out. I want to obey God. Sometimes there are times when we have to, God stirs us and we need to be obedient in the area of sowing our finances. Some of you have been under constraint and you need to obey what God's been telling you. I talked to the men about it this morning. We, we, we get where we go every time the offering comes, every, every time the offering takes place, you, you get tight. Because you know what you should do, but you haven't done because you won't sow the seed of obedience to get to where you need to be with God. So I have to be tight, and then I have to, then I have to make excuses, and then I have to justify this and justify that. I said, wait a minute, you're supposed to be free. Free. But if I redirect, it's amazing. I don't know if you've ever done it. So many times in life, I've redirected everything so I could have something. Ooh. I realigned everything. I give up this, realign that, let that go, have this, so I could have that. What if we did that with just having God's will in our life? God, I'll realign everything just to have your will, just to have your way in my life. Amen? If you're here this morning, God speak. God said something to in your heart. You've been constrained and feel constricted in any level. You sense God wanting you to bust out into harvest. No matter what it is, it could be over your body, it could be over things, it could be in your finances. You sense God's pushing you to sow a seed, some act of obedience.